You're listening to an Airwave Media Podcast. Hey, y'all. Spooky season is here. And if you're looking for a show to whet your appetite for a little haunted history, then I'd like to invite you to check out Southern Gothic, a chart-topping history podcast that explores some of the most infamous legends, folklore, ghost stories, and hauntings of the American South. We've covered all sorts of stuff from the Bell Witch of Tennessee to the disappearance of the Confederate submarine, the H.L. Hunley, not to mention our deep dives into the local lore of some of America's oldest and most haunted cities like New Orleans, Charleston, and St. Augustine. So if you're ready for a little good old-fashioned Halloween storytelling with a commitment to quality historical research, then be sure to check out Southern Gothic today. It's available now on all your favorite podcast apps. Nathan, happy Galentine's Day. Happy Galentine's Day. And for the occasion, we wanted to reshare with you all two classic episodes from 2020. So days of yore. The days of yore. <laughs> we are going to be resharing the story of Georgiana, Duchess of Devonshire, and her gal pal, Bess Foster. Nathan, what do we call her? Yasbaz, my distant relative. Yeah, so we hope you'll like these episodes and let us know what you think. Were they besties or were they more? Wink. Ooh, tune in to find out. Yeah, cheers, bitches. Oh, and in case you don't know, we curse. So you've been warned. <laughs> cheers. Hi, this is Katie. And this is Nathan. And you're listening to Queen's Podcast, the show about women in history. Nathan! Katie! How's it going? It's going pretty good. I am reading about women in history, sipping a cocktail, and talking to you. What else could I want? Yes, I like (laughs) the answer. Good answer. (laughs) How are you? Good. Enjoying this delicious cocktail that we're having today. Oh my gosh, this is really, really nice. Yeah, I really like this one. I accidentally put mine in the freezer because I made it earlier and I was like, oh, surely it won't freeze. It did. It's like a solid piece of ice with booze in it. Yeah, so now you've (laughs) just got a boozy slushy. That's great. So today we are here to talk about the Duchess of Devonshire. The bitch with the big old hat. Yes. (laughs) Georgiana Cavendish, Duchess of Devonshire. I've heard it pronounced Georgiana. Georgiana. I think, well, we might get to it later, but I think it depends on how posh you are. I I watched the Duchess and they said Georgiana. Georgiana. Mm -hmm. So, Nathan, tell us about the drink that you've come up with for Miss Georgiana. (laughs) (laughs) It's called the Darling Duchess. And it is watermelon. So I took some big chunks of watermelon, threw that in a blender, Threw some ice in it, one part rum, dark rum, one part light rum, and then a squeeze of lemon and lime, and then blend it together. And then you've got your Darling Duchess. I love it. I love this cocktail. I am into the Darling Duchess. Georgiana has gone down in history as a pretty scandalous, having a pretty scandalous life. Let's get into her. She was born June 7th, 17. 
57. And so we actually know her birthday. We know her birthday. And she's a Gemini. So yeah, even better. Watch out. <laughs> and she really is a classic Gemini, too, in yeah. my opinion. She's mm-hmm. a very classic Gemini. Her maiden name was Spencer. If that sounds familiar to you, Princess Diana's maiden name was also Spencer. Maybe you've Prince- heard of her. Maybe you've heard of Diana Spencer. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Princess Diana is like a however many great niece of this duchess and their lives have a lot of, Mm. they are often compared to each other. And as we get into the story, you'll probably see why. The Spencers are a super old, noble English family. Her father was an earl, so that makes her mom a countess. So she's already growing up in a bougie situation. It was a good start to life. Yeah, and her parents were actually in love, which we don't really hear about that much. No, which is just, it's just refreshing to hear about a married couple that love each other. (laughs) Yeah, right. History isn't always a bag of dicks. Not always. (laughs) She grew up in a palace called Althorpe, which is also where Princess Diana grew up. By all accounts, it just seems like it was a really happy childhood. Her parents never cheated on each other. Which Wait, is, again, again, like a breath of fresh air. An earl that doesn't have a mistress and a bunch of illegitimate children. It was almost controversial. <laughs> yeah, right? And they were, like, openly super affectionate to each other. Yeah. So, that again, not very typical back then. And her parents really doted on her, especially her mother. Her mother's name was also Georgiana. Her mother called her Baby G or Little G, which I like, and that's what... I've called her through most of my research just because it's easier to say and it's cute. Her mother would like openly be like, well, this is my favorite child. <laughs> what? What is that all about? I know they tend to do that back then. Like they're openly saying who their favorite child is. Well, we, uh, I'm trying to think who else. Definitely Eleanor of Aquitaine. Her and her Didn't husband Kath- each had a favorite Did she do that too? Oh, maybe. That seems like a Kathy move. Definitely wasn't her daughter. She didn't like her daughter. Like your other sibling, like, yeah, fuck me, right? Right? (laughs) So unfair. She had a brother and a sister, and they're just both like, well, okay, cool, mom. (laughs) I love you too. Good talk. (laughs) She had a really great education. She spoke four languages, and she started writing poetry at a really young age. That's one cool thing I really like about her with a lot of our queens. We don't really know their thoughts on things because maybe they didn't leave anything written. Baby G writes so many letters and so much poetry and so many diaries. We have so much surviving from her. So I think that's super cool. Yeah, because a lot of times we're just going on hearsay and what the rumor mill was. Now we have it out of the horse's mouth. So it's important. And though there still will be plenty of rumors about her, don't we? Yeah, oh, no, no, yeah, that does not mean she's immune from rumors. <laughs> her parents were big patrons of the arts. They would host plays and operas at their house. So she grew up with a, a good fine arts education, which mm-hmm. she loved. Yeah, so she's living like this super bougie life where she was constantly loved and shouted with affection and attention mm-hmm. so she develops this need to be constantly showered with attention and positive like to the point where it's unhealthy yeah yeah it's it's definitely not normal look i get it i love i love attention and positive affection as well you? Me, i don't know if you know this about me but i'm needy 
(laughs) (laughs) But our girl, Baby G, took it to a whole different level. It just became, she needed it to function. She needed attention and positive feedback to do anything. Yeah, yeah. Basically, her parents were the air for her lungs. Yes. (laughs) The air that she breathed. And that's probably why she was such a good student, because she knew that her parents would praise her for it. The rest of her childhood is pretty normal. So we're going to kind of fast forward a little bit and introduce the Duke of Devonshire. Devonshire. However... Devonshire? Fuck that dude. Fuck that dude. <laughs> That's literally in the dictionary when you look up the Duke of Devonshire, it says fuck that dude. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Whenever I, because I watched the movie years and years ago. Mm-hmm. One time I was in a playwriting class in college and I wrote just like this very bad character and the teacher was like, you know, you need to give characters more depth. Nobody's all bad. You know, you need to give them more facets to their personality. And I remember when I saw this movie, when it first came out, remembering what that teacher said, being like, they need to give this dude some more layers. Like, he, nobody can really be that bad. But the more I research him, I'm like, fuck that guy. Yeah, he really, he really is that bad. Like- <laughs> so his name is William Cavendish, and he's the fifth Duke of Devonshire. And this family is like old, 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 noble AF. And his family is however many times great father, great grandfather, also named William because they're really inventive with names. Yeah. He assisted Henry VIII in the dissolution of the monasteries. So that's how they got their money. That's how they got started getting like all their titles. William, the Duke of Devonshire, is eight years older than little G. So when they meet, she's 16 and he's 24. And he's actually considered the most eligible bachelor in the country. Like he's, he's like JFK Jr. Yes. Oh my God. JFK Jr. was so handsome. Oh my goodness. Okay. Focus, Katie. (laughs) They're eight years apart, which in the grand scheme of things, like right now, it seems creepy to be like, She's 16, he's 24, but back then, they could have been trying to marry her off to a much older man. Much older. We're talking like 40. Yeah. So, (laughs) 24, 24 and rich as hell, not such a bad deal for baby G. Yeah. So, the Duke is looking for a wife, and Georgina is just starting to make her presence known in society. And she's like super popular because she's really pretty, and she's stylish, and she's super sweet. But most of all, her public manners are on fucking point. She took those etiquette classes fucking seriously. Yes. Because again, she wanted to please her parents. And everybody was like commenting on how well behaved she was. Yeah. And so it's like everybody is talking about that little Spencer girl and how she's going to make a great society wife for, for some rich dude. Yeah. So like, enter the Duke. (laughs) so the duke starts paying more calls to the spencers on more often and mama and papa are so fucking stoked that their daughter is being considered as a candidate to the most eligible bachelor in the country so the psychological thing happens with georgiana where she convinces herself that she's in love with the duke Yeah, because they only met like a handful of times. It's not like they knew each other, you know, so she really wasn't in love with him. She was in love with the idea. But like all her letters and all of her diary entries do say that she loves him. I don't think she really understands what an adult relationship is though yet. 
No, because he like doesn't even talk to her that much. No, <laughs> he's such a dick. Honestly, I believe this was less about the Duke or becoming a Duchess, and it's just parental approval, kind of like we already said. So there were red flags from the beginning. You know, she needed the constant approval, and she also needed companionship. And the Duke, yeah, he's not really a people person. No, not at all. Like, whenever he throw a party, he's the one that runs off to his room to watch television. Yeah, like. no. Later on, his daughter in his her, like, older years wrote in her diary that, well, when I go to visit dad, I have to bring my dogs because that seems to be the only thing he'll talk to me about. Oh, yeah. I, I, re- I read that in my research, too, is that he, he was just really obsessed with dogs for some reason. Yeah, that was the only thing, his own daughter, that's the only thing. If I don't bring my dogs, he doesn't talk to me. So wow. not- And they were also brought up so differently, where mm-hmm. G's family is, like, loving and um, a close-knit family. His mother died when he was really young. And so his father, the Duke, sent his children to be raised by family, like relatives. And they're just these really aristocratic, noble families that they're not lovey. (laughs) They're not close knit. Mm -hmm. It's a very isolated kind of childhood. And then his dad died when he was uh, in his early teens. So he became the Duke and suddenly like he wouldn't even be old enough to drive a car these days, but he's got all the responsibilities of being a fucking duke at a young age, mm-hmm. which I think isolated him from his peers even more. So it's just very, very different family yeah. systems. Yeah, but what we're trying to get at is that her household was filled with warm love, affection, and his household was like duty, obligations, yes. honor, respect. Yeah. So it was like two completely different one thing that i read is like so soon after their engagement they were at like a ball together georgiana loved dancing and socializing and partying and so she was dancing all night and then i guess just like got overheated uh, which i'm sure is not hard in all those layers they had to wear and all the corsets (laughs) and she nearly passed out her friends took her off the dance floor and like got her water and made her catch her breath and somebody went and told the duke like hey your fiance almost passed out do you want to go check on her and he was just like why why and they're like she's your fiance and she's not well and he was just sort of like i mean but why would i go check on her why do i want to go look at somebody who almost passed out and that should have been like she needs so much love and attention and he does not care yeah i know it's like the opposite she wants like someone to run to her bedside and give her flowers and a puppy. Yes. <laughs> she in her mind how that would have went is cuz who knows maybe she almost passed out for a cry for attention from him, you know, like yeah. in her mind she wants somebody to rush over and be like, "Are you okay? What can I get you? Oh my god, my life mm-hmm. would be meaningless if you passed out <laughs> or whatever." <laughs> Needless to say their engagement was a huge fucking deal. Mm. Um it was like the society section in the London newspapers at the time all knew about it. We're all talking about it and they could not get enough of this fresh new couple. Like they're young. She's super fashionable and beautiful from a good family. He just happens to be the most eligible bachelor in the country. Yes. <laughs> a list. They um, would be all over yield TMZ. Yield TMZ was all fucking <laughs> over it. <laughs> <laughs> 
So Duke William is completely indifferent about all this, but obviously Georgina is loving the fucking attention. Oh and my God. She's just like, I could just imagine her every morning, like running down to get the newspaper to be like, what did they write about me? What did they write yeah. about me? You know? Oh, totally. <laughs> this is going to be a theme if you haven't figured that mm -hmm, out mm -hmm. yet. <laughs> so the two are married on G's 17th birthday in a small and private ceremony. And Georgina had noticed how, you know, Duke Willie's distant demeanor had been getting bad, but her dad was kind of the same way in public. Mm -hmm. I mean, he was like kind of a little standoffish, but then once you get him home, he's a little warmer and friendlier. So she's thinking, hey, I, I don't know the Duke that well. Once we live together, he's he's going to open up to me like like dad does whenever, you know, he's at yeah. home and chills. And, and I'm going to make him love me. I'm going to make him love me. Oh, baby. No, you won't. No, you won't. <laughs> Gee, you in danger, girl. <laughs> I'm Helena Bonham Carter. And for BBC Radio 4, this is History's Secret Heroes, a new series of rarely heard tales from World War II. They had no idea that she was Britain's top female codebreaker. We'll hear of daring risk takers. What she was offering to do was to ski in over the high Carpathian mountains. Of course it was dangerous, but uh, danger was his friend. Subscribe to History's Secret Heroes wherever you get your podcasts. The wedding was so over-publicized and it was just like, it was like a royal wedding. Like, you know how people line up and just fanfare? It was mm -hmm. like getting that kind of hype. So they ended up telling the newspapers, oh, they're getting married on June 9th. But then they got married on two days earlier on June 7th so that they could have a private ceremony. Yeah, there was only eight people in attendance, her immediate family and his immediate family. It was on her 17th birthday. I don't know why they, that just seems weird getting married on your birthday, but whatever. They avoided the media frenzy. Very sneaky. <laughs> so if Georgiane and her family were thinking that this marriage was just going to like solve the personality divide between these two, they were fucking wrong. Wrong. <laughs> Three days after their wedding, they were to be presented to the king and queen as members of high nobility. And that's King George III, if you're paying attention. You know, AKA the Hamilton. white guy from Hamilton. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> and his wife, Queen Charlotte. So first of all, they were like three hours late because the Duke was off hunting with his friends and he didn't really want to go. But G wasn't letting that bother her. She, she wore the dress she wore to her wedding. And one newspaper wrote that there was more people there to see the newly married couple that had been in attendance of uh, the king's last birthday party oh. <laughs> he got that's, a pissed off that's like the <laughs> level of popular she was like people yeah, were just sure. so obsessed with this young good-looking rich new one newspaper noted that the duchess looks stunning and beautiful and perfect and the duke looks bored <laughs> wow yeah because oh, he was he was so poor. He hated this shit. He hated all like being presented at court and like all the attention. He was just sort of like, what's the big deal? Why do people want to see us? I don't. He did not get it. It was 100% G's jam. She was <laughs> loving it. Loving every second of it. <laughs> yeah, she's meant to be a duchess. He's not meant to be a duke mm -mm. <laughs> at all. Mm -mm. So soon after the marriage, G and the Duke head off to the Duke's country house. And this place is called Chatsworth House. 
Oh, it's so gorgeous. Yeah, please stop at... what you're doing and Google. <laughs> it is beautiful. So G's parents came along and the Duke's two brothers and one sister came along with them. While there, the Duchess of a Great Manor is expected to like fulfill those like courtly duties, you know. Yeah. And G was G was not really prepared she for did. that. There was this one thing, like some people showed up one morning and the Duke had went hunting with his bros. Georgiana didn't know she was supposed to feed them breakfast or offer them like refreshments or something. She just didn't know that was the protocol. And basically like the Duke's brother and sister were like, what the fuck is wrong with you? Why didn't you do that? And she was like, oh, I didn't know. And they were like, oh my God, who is this backwater hick that has joined our family? Yeah. Like it was this big fucking deal. And it was just, guys, if she doesn't know, she's been, she's been Duchess for like three days. Give her a fucking break, you know? Right. It's kind of ridiculous. Yeah, and they're also like, and why aren't you pregnant yet? <laughs> yeah, it's like it's been three fucking days. Give me, give I might be pregnant. I don't know. <laughs> How could I know? Right right after the breakfast debacle, her parents left Chatsworth like two mornings later without telling her. And so, of course, little baby G is just thinking that she has embarrassed her family so bad with the breakfast debacle that oh, God, they've like so abandoned needy. her. She was so needy. so needy. And she was so fucking miserable for days and just like gripped with anxiety and just, oh my God, I've upset my parents. But really sadly what it is, is her mom had suffered a miscarriage. They didn't want to tell her that that's why they were leaving because they didn't want to stress her out more than she was already stressed out. But then by leaving without telling her, it stressed her out. It stressed her out. Yeah, the Duke did nothing to make her feel better about how she felt, like the shitty situation and the crappy emotions she was feeling. In fact, they didn't really even see each other all day. Like, he would go fuck off with his bros pretty much all day. Such a dick. I hate right. him so much. He would just be hunting and riding <laughs> basically all day. And she'd be like hosting people, trying to learn how to be in this kind of society alone. Again, she doesn't have any help. She hasn't gone to Duchess school. They'd usually not even eat dinner together. And they had separate rooms, but every night he would come to her room for a fuck because he's got to get those airs. That's mm -hmm. like the one thing that he's like, no, you were here to make me my babies. We got to mm -hmm. let's get on this. Yeah, it sounds really lonely. Honestly, it does sound really lonely. I know. Like, after that time, they come back to their place in London, where she felt a little bit more at home. Yeah, at least she knows the town, you know. Exactly. This palace was called the Devonshire House, but it's not there anymore. But the Devonshire House could hold up to twelve hundred people in the ballroom. Right, twelve hundred people. That that's is... a fuckload of people. That's a fuck, and that's just the ballroom. <laughs> yeah, right? So this is a feature that G is definitely going to be utilizing. <laughs> Absolutely. She threw herself into society life hard. She started hosting parties all the time, and she never turned down an invitation, which sounds exhausting. Yeah, it does. Throwing yeah. one party is enough for me. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, oh, and she liked to gamble and drink, like, a lot. <laughs> this will become a problem, but, you know, 
that was just a big part of like the society parties back then is that you'd gamble, but you weren't expected to gamble as much as she did. And addiction is sadly going to be like a running theme in her life. And it started here in the early days of her marriage. Maybe there's a correlation. Maybe she was super unhappy. I don't know. (laughs) But imagine like she'd be going to these fancy operas and there's all these protocols and all these rules for somebody of her status. And she'd be going alone because it wasn't fashionable for wives and husbands to spend too much time together. That's awful. <laughs> to which I think the Duke was like, fine by me. <laughs> <laughs> so she's she's like super nervous at this point. Yeah. yeah. Keep in mind, she's still a teenager. Like she's 17, a kid still. Yeah. And so yeah. she's drinking. She's doing like liquid current, having pre-gaming before they leave the house, maybe taking one for the road in the carriage to calm her nerves. And this this turns into a drinking problem. Mm-hmm. At one of those events, it was either at an opera or a comedy play or something. She she and her friends had been drinking and they dared her to get up on stage and dance. And she did. And her mother wrote her the next day. Because, you know, the gossip at this time, of course, it got to her mom like that night. And her mother wrote her the next day being like, oh, my God, what the fuck are you doing? (laughs) Which wasn't appropriate. (laughs) It was an appropriate response. (laughs) Yeah, her mom's basically like, bitch, you need to cut that alcohol off your diet. Maybe we should drink less. (laughs) (laughs) So enough about drinking problems, and let's talk about some good news, because she's pregnant. Yay! Yay! And she's thinking, a baby will fix my marriage. Yeah, right? And when she tells the Duke, he finally starts showing her some fucking attention. Yes. He's being nice to her. Right? And so she writes to her mother that the Duke is actually being affectionate to her. And he's tending to her every need. And she's like, finally, it's happening. We're clicking. We're finally falling in love. I I mean, it's still pretty early on in their marriage. So she still has some hope, which is kind of adorable. So back then, they don't really know what we do about pregnancy now and substance abuse. So she was still drinking pretty regularly and possibly also using opiates, which is not going to be good for a fetus. She wants to show off her baby bump. She wants to see what, you know, everybody talking about how glowing she's looking in the newspapers. Oh, absolutely. She was, oh, yes, my pregnancy glow. Tell me more. (laughs) Yeah, and to her, attention equals love, basically. And she's finding that this pregnancy is getting her more love at home, more love in public, so Mm -hmm. she wants to show it off. So she's still going to parties and drinking and gambling, and she is apparently bad at whatever games she's playing to gamble at because she amasses this huge debt, 3,000 pounds, which is about the equivalent of $300,000 today. Holy shit. Yeah. For reference, each year, like her allowance for her spending money for the whole year is 4,000 pounds. <laughs> yeah. So she can't pay this off. You know how today, sometimes when a woman has a baby, the husband might get her what's called a push present? Like, yeah, like a piece car of jewelry. Or a, yeah. A jewelry, something yeah. like that. So. It was pretty customary back then that after you give birth to a son, 
you get some kind of you get some kind of push present, then it's usually a financial gain independently. And so she was like, it's fine. You know, after this baby's born, it's going to be a boy. So I'm going to get my push present. I'm going to be able to pay this off. But sadly, she miscarries. Yeah. It's so sad because the Duke blames her. He says two really, really mean things. He says, he straight out, I was like, well, you're partying so much. What did you expect? And then he suggests that she miscarried out of spite. Ouch. So he was like, well, you were partying so much and going out so much and exhausting yourself. It almost makes me think that you were doing this just to spite me. Yeah. So that second thing is awful. The first thing about her partying too much in, in hindsight, you might be right. Is accurate. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Her drinking and, and partying too much really did not help. But oh. you don't say that she did it intentionally because her whole job is wanting to have an heir. Like, right? that's the whole point. Why would she do it intentionally? Like, I just, when I read that, I was just like, oh, suck my dick, Duke. Like, fuck yeah. you. And even the newspapers pick up on her and start blaming her for partying too much. And so now she's, like, super in debt. And <laughs> that push prison ain't coming anytime soon, honey. So she has to go to her parents and ask for a loan, which is mortifying. Oh, I bet. And her parents are like, how the fuck do you owe 3,000 pounds? And she's just like, oh, I'm just a little gambling here or there. And for the rest of her life, her mother would write to her. And like every letter her mother wrote her. Are you still gambling? Because this is a problem for you. Maybe don't do that anymore. And so they agree to give her the loan. But then they're like, what? Why isn't the Duke helping you out? And she's like. Yeah, if we could not tell William, that would be great. And her parents are like, gee, I don't fucking know about this. Which, I mean, to be fair, in a marriage, you should be open and honest about the financial problems you put Uh the family in. Um, So I kind of get that. But she wasn't expecting it. And they snitched on her. They told the Duke. Snitches get stitches. I Uh, know. But I kind of see where uh, they're coming from as well. Yeah. So the Duke pays them back immediately and then doesn't talk to G for like a week or something. Ooh, the silent treatment. I hate the silent treatment so bad. That is my, oh, I would rather have a knockdown drag out fight than have somebody give me the silent treatment. I just cannot stomach that. Like it gives me such anxiety for someone not to just fucking tell me what you're thinking. Tell me how you're feeling. Please never give me the silent treatment, Nathan. Yes, I won't. <laughs> <laughs> so needless to say, it's a really dark period for our girl. But then, perfectly timed to add insult to injury, she's informed that the child is joining the household. It's a little girl named Charlotte that's going to be being playing family with them, basically. Oh, my so, gosh. So the Duke had a longtime mistress, uh, also named Charlotte, and she had suddenly passed away. Charlotte, that is. This is a mistress that Georgina had kind of suspected at the time, but she really didn't have any evidence until there was a baby. And she's like, well, I guess my suspicions were right. So she ends up raising this kid as her own, basically. Why don't we take a quick break and then we'll come back and see how G handles this new role of being a stepmom. 
Hello everyone, it's Takuyi here. And I'm Gabby. And we are the hosts of History of Everything, a podcast which you can probably guess by the name is, well, I mean, it's about everything. Do you want to know why people thought potatoes were evil and would give you syphilis? Are you curious about all the stories of the terrible and stupid ways that people have kicked the bucket over the years? Do you want to hear tales about all of the different badasses of history and the lives that they had brought to life? Well, if so, then look no further. History of Everything is just the right podcast for you. It's available on Spotify, Pandora, and anywhere else that you get your podcast from. Join us for some fun and just see how weird and wacky history can be. Everybody shush! William Shatner has something to say. Cat and Jethro, box of oddities. What do you do when the woman you love dies? Well, of course you dig her up and you live with her. Aww. The show examines weird things. There are plenty of old photographs from this time period of children out in the streets playing in and among the dead horse carcasses. Oh, I miss those days. Things used to be so much simpler. Cat and Jethro. Then there's the urine wheel, which sounds like a really bad game show. They've done weird things. Cat and Jethro, box of oddities. That is really mysterious. Join Cat and Jethro Gilligan-Toth for the strange, the bizarre, the unexpected, as they lift the lid and cautiously peer inside the box of oddities. The Webby Award-winning Box of Oddities podcast from Airwave Media. So we're back, and now... G's got a little girl in the house and basically the Duke was just like, you don't really even have to be a part of her life. If you don't want to be, you can just pretend like she's not here. The house is big enough for you to not have to interact with her. But I think what happens next gives us insight into her character of how she just so badly wanted to give love and receive love so bad because she just completely accepts this little girl Mm -hmm. she hands on raises her makes sure that she gets an education makes sure that she feels loved and secure in her new home i mean her mother just died yeah right and i don't think the duke is going to be very doting on this little girl either Mm -mm. so i just think that's really cool that she was just like, no, I'm not going to have this little girl feel as as alone as I do. Yeah, and so G ends up writing her mom and being like, OMG, she's just like the cutest little girl in the world and she's so like sweet and she's well-mannered. And her mother is actually embarrassed for her and is like, OMG, please don't tell anybody. Don't tell anyone else. And, And I don't think the Duke and Duchess just went around telling everyone about Charlotte and how she ended up here, but they also didn't appear to like and also what, to hide her. It wasn't a secret. Yeah. And I just love that G was like, nope, you're a part of the family now. And like really embraced her. Um, For sure. So G's recovered from her miscarriage and she's also recovered from the shock of her stepdaughter. Yeah. So what's next? She goes back into society and she goes back into it hard. Hard. She becomes... Mm-hmm an absolute fashion icon. We cannot talk about the Duchess of Devonshire without talking about her fashion, like her impact in the world of fashion at this time. Oh, hell yeah. Like 
Please do yourself a favor and Google her and look at the Wikipedia picture. She's wearing a big old hat. That yeah. is a big ass fucking that hat. hat. It like I don't know how it's staying on her big ass wig either. Like it's yeah, so much she... hat and so much hair. I don't know. <laughs> She's got a big old fucking burn on it. I mean, if you think the big hair of the eighties was over the top, they got nothing on these bitches. Oh, they're the hair no, closer no. to God. Well, then Georgiana was a fucking saint. Like big hairstyles were in fashion, but she just took it to the next level. And she would wear these three foot tall wigs. Yes, Gaga. So <laughs> in her carriage going to the opera, she would have to sit on the floor of the carriage. Oh my God. That is a little excessive. Because if she sat on the chairs, her hair would get messed up because it would hit the top. But bitch is turning heads. Bitch I mean, is turning heads everywhere she goes. She's turning heads, but the heads are turning very slowly because they can't move that fast with three foot and like 20 pounds of shit <laughs> on their head. Whatever hairstyle she was doing, the next day, everyone was copying it. Oh, um, yeah. Oh, yeah. It was basically like Regina George in Mean Girls. Yes. It was, was very, like she had yeah. the holes in her shirt to show her bra and then everybody. And then everybody. It. Yes. It was very much like that. That was basically what people were saying about the Duchess of Devonshire. Like, I'm, I wore a nest in my hair because I saw the Duchess wearing a nest in her hair. <laughs> she started wearing the ostrich feathers in her hair, but they were like from this really rare ostrich or something it became an absolute like panic the women in society trying to get these ostrich feathers to wear in their hair and they would literally be paying a year's worth of salary to get these ostrich feathers and it got so competitive that the queen actually banned ostrich feathers from the palace (laughs) (laughs) it was called the the feather headdress affair wow (laughs) wow So during this time of being the height of fashion, she actually strikes up a friendship with none other than Marie Antoinette. You know, like you do. As one does. So the Devonshires took a trip to Versailles one summer and the two met and just like bonded immediately. I mean, they did have a lot in common. Yeah. Marie's marriage was probably slightly happier than G's, but not much at all. Yeah. And they both had fertility issues. They both took up lots of real estate, newspapers, gossip columns. They both like drinking and gambling and obviously fashion, fashion, fashion. Strangely so- enough, at this time when Georgina and Marie were becoming friends, France and England was about a war. So G is like, well, I need to do something to drum up patriotic support. So she mimics this outfit that's a soldier's outfit, but like military, but make it fashion for women is basically. And <laughs> so she would go to the military bases and wear that and just try to like raise the morale of the troops. So the dude goes to live like at these army camps where there's the men that he's supposed to lead. Uh, she really thought it was important to show her support of her husband and the cause. So she goes as well it wasn't common for women to join it also wasn't unheard of mm-hmm. either i mean we talked about agrippina yeah agrippina did that forever ago yeah um but the duke is honestly annoyed that she's here like well because she he feels like she's drawing the attention from what really matters training mm-hmm. his troops 
and the war and instead is making it all about oh, fashion and parties you know to, to him he's just like oh why is she here yeah Mm-mm. like she, i just think she was like super defeated and pretty much yeah. just like runs with her tail between her legs back to devonshire yeah um, like she's just like I, I okay i get your message loud and clear i'll leave and oh i hate that like I just hate that for her. I hate a lot of things in this story for her. And soon after she gets back to Devonshire, she finds out that she's pregnant, but she suffers another miscarriage. Yeah. So things are bad for G right now. At this point, she may have developed an eating disorder because the papers started noting uh, her fluctuation in weight. So giving me very Princess Diana and Persece vibes here. Yes, yes. Sure. That, that definitely, I definitely see... So much parallels. Like, we've never studied Princess Diana, but she's such a big part of pop culture that it's hard not to know a lot about her life. And we know that she was in a marriage with a man who didn't love her very much. And then she became more famous than him. And the pressure of it made her develop an eating disorder to stay beautiful and need attention from and need approval from everybody. Her mom would write letters being like, I'm worried about you. Because one day she would like eat, eat everything in sight. And then she wouldn't eat for like, barely eat for like three weeks. Uh, I know. So it's during this time that she meets a man named Charles James Fox. And they're like distant cousins. And Fox is the leader of the Whit Party. Mm-hmm. So he would be instrumental in much of Georgiana's upcoming life. And she became really interested in politics at this point specifically the cause of the Whig Party, which was that they were against the absolute monarchy and they were more for a constitution, more rights for the people. Yeah, and they were the ones, because a, a lot of people don't, we don't really learn this in American history when we learn about the Revolutionary War. There were a lot of people in England that were for, like, just let the Americas go. They want to be separate, let them be separate. The Whig Party was like, no, if they want to be separate, let them be separate. It's fine. We got India or whatever. Yeah, they even had the Whig Party here in the United States. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. They did, yeah, for a short time. And so whenever she connected with Fox, he was just sort of like, smart, you're funny, you're popular, People like hearing you talk. People are interested in what you have to say. And she's like, please tell me more. Please tell me more. (laughs) And he's like, you are so much more than a hairstyle. You could be doing so much good for this country if you just kind of refocused. And she needed that. Oh, yeah. He's basically (sighs) showering her with the affection that she hasn't gotten from her husband. Yeah, he's telling her you can be more than just like what shows up in the society papers about you. And I just feel like no one's ever like praised her for her intellect. Yeah, because she really hits the ground running with the politics thing. And at this point, there wouldn't have been a lot of women in politics. So it's right. cool that she's doing that. And then, so there were rumors that they were having an affair but Katie's shaking her head no, and I don't think so either. No. It was just gossip. It was just rumors. They were just, just close. Rumors. There was somebody yeah. giving her uh, attention. It was somebody being nice to her. <laughs> and so she was... Exactly. And we see this a lot in her life. And there just were too many instances for us to fit all of them, besides the big ones, into like our discussion of her. 
But whenever she decided someone was her friend and in her inner circle, she was right or fucking die. Oh, yeah. You Absolutely. are in her inner circle. You are her soulmate and she is going to praise you and always be there for you. She's the best friend anyone could ever ask for. That's why I think people were like, mm, they're really close. And it's like, well, no, she just, that's how she is with everybody. That's how she treats circle. everybody that she's close to with. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't think, but I don't think they were fucking at all. And also I don't think she's dumb enough to start having an affair before she's had you, you have the affair after the air. <laughs> the truth is so true. But I mean, like, Really, the Duke never even fucking noticed. He's so aloof and just just, like... So her confidence is up. And around this time, this novel comes out titled The Sylph. And so it's published, quote unquote, anonymously by the author's name was given as a young lady. (laughs) I think we know someone who likes to write poetry a lot. Who's really well versed. I had to look up what self meant. It's two things. One, it's like a type of hummingbird. And the other one is like something from like mythology, kind of like a ghost. I assume it's more from that because she had a classical education. It's about a girl who's plucked from obscurity to marry a rich and powerful man. Mm. and it's an unhappy marriage and he cheats mm. on her a lot and she mm. it's about her struggles in society mm. Mm. <laughs> 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 so i think when it came out everyone knew that she had wrote it but it just wasn't a done thing in polite society for a duchess to write a novel about her marriage <laughs> yeah she never like came out and said it said, hey, I wrote this. And some people do think another lady wrote it, but m- most people agree that G wrote this book. So she's got her confidence up. She's got a friend. She's putting out books anonymously. So fast forward a little bit. Mm-hmm. It's 1782. They've been married for eight years. Uh, that would make her 25. And he he's at this point 32. No kids. Big problem. It's a problem. <laughs> yes. yes. So they go to the city of Bath. Um, let's give a little a little brief description of Bath is that Bath is the city in England that was named so because in Roman times, the Romans set up their famous Roman baths in like hot springs. So at that time, G's life, they believed that these waters had healing properties. So if you have some kind of ailment, you headed to Bath to take a bath. And they also drank the water of the hot springs, I think. So also, which is, ugh, so like people just marinating in the hot springs all day and then you drink it, which is nasty. Yeah, yeah. gross. Gross. <laughs> That's what they believed at the time. So they had that way. One, he has gout. Which, I, love, I, I love how that just sounds so dirty. I know. Thir- well, also 32 seems quite young to have gout. But um, so for his gout and for her infertility... And she hated Bath. She was bored. She wrote to her mother in her own words and described Bath as amazingly disagreeable. And yeah. <laughs> I just think there wasn't a whole there wasn't a whole lot of society. There weren't like parties for her to go to or anything. So she was just fucking bored. Not having it. And like a few weeks into their stay in Bath, 
Georgina writes home to her mother telling her about this woman that she met. And she is uh, the Lady Elizabeth Foster, like my great, 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 great aunt by me. Yes. If you're not a Patreon supporter, you might not know Nathan is is related to the Lady Elizabeth Foster. So that means by like marriage two times, I'm related to Princess Diana. That's cool. <laughs> I don't. I don't think. I don't think it is Nathan. <laughs> I'm gonna strut on into Buckingham Palace and be like, "This is my fucking place." Okay. Okay. <laughs> So a quick word about Lady Foster. She was in a very unhappy marriage. We're not going to hold that against my uncle <laughs> with an Irish lord. Um, they were just very badly matched. So she ended up leaving him. But the father at this point, back in the day, the father had the rights to the children. Mm-hmm. Which, interesting side note, in separations and divorce laws at the time, the husband was still legally required to give his wife money to live off unless they could prove that she was being unfaithful. Yeah. And her asshole husband was not sending her any money, and it doesn't appear she was pushing for the matter too much at all. So this, like, leads me to believe that infidelity had been part of their separation because she wasn't asking for the money. Yeah. I think she had definitely got caught cheating on her husband. Yeah, and, I mean, he cheated on her. Oh, yeah, that was like, that was their official reason for separation is that she caught her husband uh, sleeping with her maid. But I think there were a lot more issues at play. Oh, yeah, for sure. But everything happens for a reason. And now Elizabeth Foster, who we're going to call Bess moving forward, has met the Duke and Duchess. And the two have so much in common, you know, like they Mm -hmm. are both from not they're both in like not very happy marriages to say the least and g has a new best friend she just feels like she has found a kindred spirit in Bess. i we can debate it later in the next episode if we think that Bess feels the same way towards her or if she just really likes having a powerful and rich friend but Bess definitely reciprocated that emotion. Like she made Georgiana feel like she was wanted, like she was needed. Like, Mm -hmm. I don't know if she felt the same way, but she made G think she felt the same way, definitely. So she's finally found someone that's as needy for friendship as she is. And they click immediately. (laughs) Bonus, the Duke likes her too. Like usually the Duke cannot stand her friends. This one, he's like, well, why don't why don't you invite the lady Elizabeth Elizabeth Foster around? She's nice, she's entertaining, and so she's like, oh my god, I found a friend that gets me, and the Duke doesn't hate her. She is just like, this is perfect, right? Wrong. <laughs> so that's where we're gonna leave this episode. We'll be back to discuss the rest of the Duchess's life. It can only go up from here, right? Yeah. Okay. Okay. You haven't been listening to Queen's podcast very long, have you? (laughs) All right. Cheers, Nathan. Cheers, bitches. So thanks for listening. If there's something you want to hear, just like hit us up. You can email us at queenshistorypodcast at gmail.com. Thanks, guys, for listening. Cheers. Bye, girl. Clink, clink. (laughs) Mwah.